Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another As for Football College Football Roundtable. It is week three, is in the books. Now that all the cupcakes have been served, we're heading into the conference schedules, and some teams have more wins than they should have going into week four. And I think it's obvious that the teams that challenge themselves in the early part of the season are going to look a lot better as they get deeper. And it's going to be interesting to see how that goes on as we move forward and we get deeper into the college football schedule. Welcome back, Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable. Or if you prefer, you can just call it Ring Knocker Radio. We call it two Joes and a, or two O's and an NCO. We wish we had two Joes. Hey, sometimes, because uh, he hasn't been on here for a couple of weeks, so if we doubled him up, maybe we could uh, get a little bit more feedback. But, I was going to uh, say, I bet you wish you had one that would show up on time, but I keep clicking the wrong link on, uh, <laughs> on StreamYard, and it says our session ended. I was like, hey, this is in the room. Yeah, this this, this is pretty much, this is pretty much how how it rolls, man. Like like, look, we're gonna have you show up 15 minutes early. We're gonna give you the squad leader backup. So now you got to throw up six hours early. Anyway, welcome back, trash talkers. This is uh, Ring Knocker Radio. I'm your host, Rob, in the military center of the universe in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Dano Ikebesa calling out of coastal Connecticut, and Trigger Joe is in the home of the big house. How are we doing today, guys? And what did you guys end up watching this weekend? Joe, how about you? Um, good. You know, Michigan. Matter of fact, JJ McCarthy threw half as many picks as he had incompletions in the game. So, um, you know, hey, different different circumstances, different challenges. You know, that's kind of why they lost to TCU last year. They threw two pick sixes, and JJ McCarthy. Isn't a great quarterback yet, but he's been a very good game manager. And when he doesn't manage the game well, um, they look human. So that and uh, Florida State, BC, what a game. Yeah. And the most underrated K State and Mizu, 61 yard field goal to end it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was some that, that was some college football dreams there. And then Colorado, Colorado State was a great game. Yeah, like that one's brutal. That was a brutal, brutal game. And we'll talk about that one a little bit later. But, uh, Dana, how about you? What did you end up watching? <laughs> My wife went on like a women's retreat over the weekend, so I did nothing but watch college football. I must have seen at least part of 15 different games. All the service nice. academy games, UConn losing to FIU, UMass losing to EMU, K-State and Mizzou, South Carolina at Bama. I'm sorry, South Carolina at Georgia. Bama's near suicide oh. against South Florida. Tennessee like imploding in the swamp. Honestly, outside of the Army game, it was freaking miserable for college weekend for all the teams that I follow. Um, Syracuse looked good against Purdue, but, yo, I mean, it was like failure after failure for teams that I actually watch. Yeah. Well, for me, I watched all three service academies. You know, again, they were spaced out, which was kind of nice, you know, except for the, the Air Force and the Army game. Navy looked human. Stupid penalty cost in the game. Air Force, I don't know if it was that Air Force was that good or Utah State was that bad. That game was atrocious if you're a Utah State mm -hmm. fan, and I'll leave it there. Uh, peaked in on the Big Ten schedule, of course, and then uh, I have to admit, of the games that were played this weekend, the best ones were uh, the Rocky Mountain Showdown and the Backyard Brawl because, like, if you watch that Colorado game, like, it was worth staying up late just because of the conclusion. And I think that was a tremendous, uh, for, tremendous opportunity to – watch a great football team and yep. and like i said i don't i don't think at any stretch of the imagination that we're going to be unrealistic and say that colorado is going to run the table in the pac-12 but i think they're going to do pretty doggone good you know yeah i think they'll be respectable this season yeah that hot air balloon is going to lose a little bit of altitude this weekend going into oregon mm -hmm. i think they're going to come back down to earth a touch um and in your favorite category uh, I think line play is going to be the concern. Yeah. Keeping well, your quarterback off his butt when you get into big time games. Yeah. I, I mean, Shadur Sanders has been, a, you know, an escape artist. And that's one of the things that they've been talking about. But he's also been sacked 11 times. Like he's been sacked 
greater than any other power five quarterback in college football. And he's still putting up the numbers that he's putting up. The kid's got 1300 yards in three games. We can talk about that later. <laughs> right. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Particularly that he's got 11 sacks, but moving on, we have a sponsor here at uh, as for football on the round table and we have buyer barn. Uh, we have a sponsor here. Buyerbarn.com is co-founded by class of 97 graduate, Dan Robinson. Dan ran a traditional farm co-op for many, many years, and he realized that there was a way to bring it into the 21st century. So he and his co-founder, Dinu, took their experience in IT management and development and built the world's first farm-to-farm online auction and sales platform. Buyer Barn reduces health issues through reduced animal and owner contact, reduced animal fraud through a buyer and raider selling system, a fully integrated auction platform with secure payments, convenience to buy and sell in your own time, and better market pricing because of a wider audience. So Buyer Barn is dedicated to helping the small farmers in America and is providing a special military discount to all military veterans who want to assist them in the small family farm revolution. Go to buyerbarn.com or email them at info at buyerbarn.com. Be on the lookout for the featured cow of the week. That'll be popping up on the socials around Thursday or Friday. And uh, there's also another midweek award that comes out with Craig Oxane, but we will talk about that at another time. Dano. Let's break down the service academies. Well, starting with the, the best going first, Army beat UTSA 37-29. Uh, we're going to talk about that in great detail tomorrow on the Army football show. I cannot wait. That was an amazing game. I mean, everything that could have gone right went, right went right for the Black Knights. Plus, they ran the crap out of the football. Air Force won big against Utah State 39-21. The game wasn't even as close as that score makes it sound like it could have been. Utah State was horrible. I mean, they were just god-awful. Uh, Air Force passing game was nominal with Zach Larrier. I hope I said that right. 3 of 4 for 84 yards. Zoomies had 64 rushing attempt, uh, attempts for 344 yards and five touchdowns. Freaking insane. Navy lost a surprisingly competitive game to Memphis. Ty Lavatai actually looked good at quarterback. He was 10 of 13 for 133 yards and a touchdown. Alex uh, Teca, Texa, how do you say that? I think it's Tesca. Tesca, thank you, is a weapon for the mids. 163 yards rushing and a touchdown. Their fullback play in general is really good. But, you know, miscues, penalties. Yeah, they, their running game looks way better since week zero, but they got another bye week. Uh, this week so whatever they got out of playing in week zero they've now given back in bye weeks really don't understand that scheduling philosophy and then finally uh, Coast Guard Academy won a close one against Nichols 49-42 they're at Springfield on the 23rd of September and the Merchant Marine Academy plays also on the 23rd against uh, of September against SUNY Maritime so it's a big uh, big games for both those teams yeah so we're gonna dive into the top 10, and then we'll end it with Joe's Blue Falcon of the week. But, Joe, who you got on the top 10 right now? Um, all right, you know, Georgia stays put. Um, close game with South Carolina. Michigan stays put. Throttles beat uh, Bowling Green in the second half. Texas uh, puts it on Wyoming 21 by 21 points. Uh, Florida State had a very – I apologize for not saying these numbers. Uh, USC State is at number five after throttling Stanford 56-10. Ohio State is at six after beating Western Kentucky by 7,000 points. Penn State goes on a very good road test. They stay at number seven after beating Illinois 30-13. Washington came in and throttled Michigan State 41-7. They're at number eight. And then Notre Dame's at number nine after beating Central Michigan. And Oregon is at number 10 after whooping up on Hawaii. Yeah. So notable drops in the top 10, like Bama fell off hard. So they dropped from 10 to 13, which is crazy. And Tennessee got the black eye of the week, man. They went minus 12 in the rankings. So they dropped. They looked awful. They dropped. I mean, they just looked awful. 23. Yeah. Like, it was like they hadn't played football before. Like, what is going on? Did they yeah. send them, like, some bad shelf shellfish or something to the hotel? T Tennessee and UTSA have the same problem. When you run that hurry-up offense and you go three and out and the other team is running the football, suddenly you've been sitting on the sidelines for 15 minutes. And, uh, dude, it was so ugly. I mean, yeah. I love that tempo that they use, but when that thing doesn't work, you are totally screwed. Yeah. And you kill your defense. Absolutely. They're, they're, yeah. they're just they're just pulling for air that they can't find. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then of course, you know, CU dropped from 18 to 19 in the top 25, and that was the last movement. But again, that was a super close game. Like hat hats off to them. Uh just just interesting. Top 25 upsets this week. So we had nine upsets so far in the 2020 
three season, it's going to be worse than that. I think last year it was like 58 or 63, something like that. And I didn't count the bowl games. So that, that was after the regular season. So you're going to see a lot more movement again in the uh, top 25. Like how about them Kansas State Wildcats, that walk-off 61-yard field goal. Like that's something out of a movie, man. Like, that was ooh, awesome. That was an like, awesome kick. Yeah. It's great, great kick, and the fact that there was no time left, and like, if you're the opposing team and you're watching that thing, and you're just hoping that it hits the upright, <laughs> and like, there was not a chance, not a chance, and it was like, wow, great kick. And then, of course, you know, we've already belabored the point, but I don't, I don't see a team that is well coached and as hyped up as uh, Tennessee just crumbling when they got to Florida. Like the, the swamp is not. I mean, I, obviously, it is for Tennessee. You know. I think that's the 20th straight game that they've lost in the swamp. So they got they got their work cut out for you down there. Look, but it, it starts with the QB and it ends with the QB. And Joe Milton has a great arm, but man, I, I saw him at Michigan. There's a reason he transferred. He wasn't going to play. And and when he started at Tennessee, I thought maybe Tennessee's hurting for quarterbacks. And he's had three or four years of college football now. And some guys, the game just moves too fast for him. And uh, I I feel like that with Joe Milton. So it's going to be a tough one for Tennessee this year. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's a talented talented guy. I think maybe the the tempo offense may actually hurt him a little bit more than, you know, some other guys. You know, some guys are good at tempo, some guys are not. And sadly, if you're the coach, you don't change the offense for a guy that's about to graduate. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's got a big pair of shoes to fill from Hendon Hooker. Yeah, well, that too. Like Hendon Hooker was a was a stud, so there's no there's no getting around that. But I mean, they just didn't have any running game, and it, it's everything went wrong. You know, the offense just looked like garbage. Yeah. And then Florida steady running the football on the other side, and and it that was just a total mismatch. It was it was exactly the same thing yeah. that happened to UTSA, happened at Tennessee. So, yeah, yeah, it was ugly. Yeah, for sure. All right, so moving on to Joe's Blue Falcon of the Week. I know you thought about this and uh, of much wailing and gnashing of teeth. And if you guys don't know, if you didn't listen to the show last week, Mel Tucker is permanently in the Blue Falcon pantheon, so he will stay there forever until uh, somebody does something worse than he did, which makes me scratch my head. But Joe, who is in the uh, home of college football infamy this week, well, you know, he can't uh, – Mel can't be mad because we're sending him a guy who he probably knows. Um, Mel left Colorado in the middle of the night, and this coach just got beat by Colorado in a hell of a game. And here's my problem with Norvell, okay? One, he dismantled Nevada when he left for Colorado State. And Colorado State was a dumpster. One, including myself. For kids – played their butts off. There were no losers. Nobody, nobody lost in that game whatsoever. Colorado State should have been proud of themselves. And after the game, what does he do? Phantom calls, blaming the refs. It's because of prime. Like, dude, don't do that. You take away from your kids. You take away from the fact that you guys just about beat the team that just throttled the national runner-up in Texas. You know, and I just it, it to me for a head coach, it looks weak to start complaining about the referees. So all I'm saying is take your L like a man. You guys played your butts off, took went into overtime with Colorado, who was favored by 21 and it didn't go your way. You don't see me going crazy, missing the show over what the refs did to the Lions yesterday, do you? <laughs> Neither here nor there. Neither here. So Norvell, do better a blue that Mel is, but you're more of a Carolina blue Falcon, but you took away from your team. You just, you just barely got beat. You got beat by one score in overtime. Take, take it as a learning loss where your team showed up and be proud because you played them tougher than the national runner up did. So yeah. Is it, is it Dan? It's Dan Norvell, isn't it? I think it's Jay. Well, he's going by Norvell from here on out. Anyways, <laughs> you, you, you jump in that Yeah. So again, I think that I think His moral compass is straight. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you made a really you made a really good point, Joe. And one of the things that that we all have to account for is, you know, 
I say this all the time, and I think this is one of the things that was, you know, pounded into me as a player and, and then as a guy who watches football and loves the game. Like, never put yourself in a position where a bad call could make the difference in the game, right? That's the first part. Like, if you're stomping somebody by, like, 40 points and there's a bad call, who cares, right? Nobody cares because you're winning, you know, or you're losing so badly that, like, the call is going to be irrelevant. And, you know, ironically, uh, working on getting a referee who does high school and D2 and D3 football on the show so we can talk about officiating, right? And one of the things that he had mentioned is they have to write up a report for every flag that they throw. So if I throw a flag, I got to justify it. And if I don't justify it, then I'm putting myself in a position where, you know, I'm going to be under scrutiny. And we all, we've all seen that we've all seen it in other sports. Like we're watching the UFC. We saw what happened with Chris Tyone this weekend makes a super early call. And it was really, really bad. Right. Everybody's going to be booing that guy for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the time that he's employed by the UFC. And that's the same thing with referees in any professional sport or any college level sport if they're not good at their job people are going to be like i don't like that guy i hope he's not calling my game right and that's what you don't want and i think for a coach to use that as an excuse it was like hey look they played hard they whooped our butts like oh by the way we did give them some free yardage because we cheap shot at their best player on the sidelines unnecessarily like and that wasn't even one of those like in the pile kind of you know, people were scrapping around kind of thing. Like literally the dude was on the sidelines and you blasted him. And it's that like, kid is like another son to Dion. Did you hear him crying? Yeah. Right. You know, He's he like, said hey. it was a violent and ugly injury. You know, yeah. he didn't, he wasn't calling names or conspiracy. He just said it was violent and the injury was ugly. Yeah. And, and, and so I think there's, there's something, there's something to be said about, you know, people that can just, take it on the chin and move on. And it's, it's not a good thing to do in front of your players, particularly in a tele, like, I guess if you were, if you're in, a, in the locker room and you're having that discussion, you know, and like somebody hears it, okay, whatever. But if you're in the press conference post game, like you just played one of the most hot football teams in the country and took them into double overtime. Like you literally could walk in and be like, Hey, it didn't go our way, but we played our asses off. Like, and, and- yeah, up until then, I was a fan of what he'd said on the mic. We're looking forward to playing them. Okay, let's see if you back it up. Then you back it up. Their yeah. coach is going on 60 minutes the next night. They are the hottest team in football. Yeah. You took them to overtime. You know, be proud, man. I, You know, it's the last thing I want to see is Jim Harbaugh going, man, we can't catch a break. It's like, I wouldn't want to see that. So, I don't know. I just, I think it invokes excuses and I don't know about you, but have you ever beaten somebody that you didn't know if you could beat them or not? And they shook your hand and said, hey, I'll see you again later in the season. Yeah. I was I'm scared. Of it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know? Yeah. So and, and that kind of leads us right into our topic today. And that topic is do coaches actually matter? So we were watching this across the pantheon of college football. You know, everybody gets excited now. And I think, honestly, we've seen a lot more excitement with – you know, Deion Sanders moving from Jackson to Jacksonville State or Jackson. I can't even remember now. Moving it's up Jackson. To, You're right. Yeah, to Jackson to Colorado, right? So he moves to Colorado. And now that he's in Colorado, everybody's talking about coaches and the impacts that coaches have on the game. And everybody all of a sudden now cares what the coach is doing, right? Like, oh, my gosh, you know, Coach Prime is doing this and Coach Prime is doing that. But at the end of the day, he's not coaching any differently than he did when he was at the other school. He just has more eyeballs on it. And – Fortunately for Deion Sanders, he has a reputation of being able to produce both content and on the field. And so now everybody's interested in what he's doing. But there's other teams like Nick Saban, like what's going on with Bama? They basically almost killed themselves. Like, and and this is one of those those uh wins that didn't feel like a win. You know, like Bama, like, yeah, on the scoreboard, they won, but if you watch that game, like for basically three quarters, you're like, what is going on in Tuscaloosa? That that offensive line looks god-awful. I mean, they just look horrible. And USF is not some world beaters. It's just that off- that they got some problems. Like, that is yeah. bad. He's getting beat on the recruiting trail by Kirby for the first yeah, time. Yeah, it's Kirby. I mean, it, he, he, Kirk, Kirk, Kirby's getting the hogs. And I, and I think that I think that he probably lost a few guys to the NFL. And yeah. he uh, it was like we talked about last week. Every once in a while, you miss on a recruit. Alabama hadn't missed in like 15 years. You know, they were due. 
I, I think they're, like Daniel said, I think their offensive line is suspect for the first time in a long time. And uh, that's going to be like, that. you know, it's going to be like watching Mike Tyson go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse that's my hard. alarm. But, but we've also, but we've also seen, you know, <laughs> look, look at what UConn has been able to do. Nobody thought that, you know, UConn. Oh, would... dude, they look terrible this year. They got blasted like, by Florida International just this past weekend. And well, that's I, what I'm, but that's that, what I'm saying. Like we're riding the yeah. wave with UConn because like last yeah. year, everybody was like, oh, these guys are going to be in the postseason and, and, and running the table, you know, and. It didn't happen. They got close, but now I mean, it's like, UConn Nation just on Twitter is they they have completely melted down. They're zero and three, and and it's tough because they looked competitive against NC State. But and don't get me wrong, I think Florida International's got a really legit running game this year, and that's that's why they beat UConn. But the Huskies' defense has no answers right now against a running game. Yeah, but but that's the thing is like you you look at these guys, and and one of the things I also you know take note of is it's not just the head coach it's position yeah yeah right it's position coaches and like we can have a much broader discussion about this you know on the army football show but look at what the progression and and we can talk about this because it is college football news coach munkin just signed an extension to stay at army for a little bit longer right i think i think saint jeffrey munkin is going to be like the dan snyder of you know army football and i'll be okay with that if he wants to stay there till he's 80 take a couple years off and then come back as long as they keep winning who cares right (laughs) but the reality of it is is like it's all the other position players that the coaches bring in around them right yeah and that's part of the success of you know part of the success of ohio state or michigan for all those years is coaches knowing when to say okay i really like this guy he's been on my team for a decade but I got to let him go one because it's given him an opportunity to go somewhere else, but I can also bring in a younger guy that can connect with the players better. And like we saw the turn in Michigan, like Michigan was like, you know, for the last two years, what is ever, well, before the last two years, what did everybody say? Well, Michigan can't get past Ohio state. They can't get past Ohio state. They can't get past Ohio state. They're never going to make it into the national championship picture. And then what happens? They beat OSU twice and then they make it into the playoff. And part of that was a significant coaching change underneath Jim Harbaugh. And so the coaches have to be smart enough to say, hey, look, there's enough skilled dudes out there that I can snag up that can connect with these players that are a little bit more modern and still get there. Like, I think legitimately, like, there's only one coach in college football that's saying, like, hey, I'm an old school coach, and that's Deion Sanders. Like, hey, I'm going to get in your space. I'm going to dig in your ass. And he won't say it that way, but I'm going to get in your case, and I'm going to coach you the way that I was coached as a player and that's what's going to get you to achieve success. I think you have something with a positional coach there because, you know, I was watching the Lions game with my parents, and I'm like, look at this. There's a tight end from Iowa starting here and a tight end from Iowa starting there. And my mom says, who was the tight end last year? I said, TJ Hawkinson. She goes, where'd he play? I go, Iowa. <laughs> I mean, is Iowa national champions every year? No, but they turn out tight ends that go to the NFL Every freaking year, sometimes two, because Noah Fant and Sam Laporta were both on the field in the game. TJ Hawkinson's one of the top ones in the league. I mean, they just keep on cranking these guys out. So whoever it is that's coaching that position knows how to communicate to these kids. I mean, it's why Penn State was linebacker you. Yep. And the difference on why Michigan's winning now is, is your once again, your favorite position. They're getting the linemen they weren't getting five years ago. Yeah, that's it. it, it- well, running the ball wins the game in the fourth quarter in a close game. Yeah. And and think about and think about, you know, sticking with the Big Ten for a second. Look at the talent that Ohio State has in their wide receiver room year after year after year. Is number Smith one. Smith and Jigma was on that field also. Yeah. And he like, made a difference. Like you've got guys that are coming in the those coaches are doing a great job at bringing in that talent and recruiting. And like literally their highlight reels from their players you know, speak for themselves. Like all you got to do is show this guy catching balls in, you know, whatever respective college team it is. And then it fades to black. And then he's catching balls in the NFL. Like, Hey, if you want to be a wide receiver in the NFL, come to our program, right? It makes it super simple to do that. When you have that reputation, like you said, with the tight ends, like you say, well, offensive linemen, it's like, we're getting to the point where position coaches are probably just as important or more important than the head coach, because when you think about recruiting, particularly in, in college football, those are the guys that are hitting the street 
and talking to a lot of those players to kind of convince them like, Hey, here's the reason why you need to come to our school. Yeah. That's why I, I was, I was so bummed out when Michigan lost uh, Tyrone Wheatley as their running backs coach, they were putting guys in the NFL left and right at tailback and Michigan's not predominantly a running back to the NFL type of school. And now who's coaching the running backs, Jay Harbaugh, no offense, but you're not Tyrone Wheatley. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when Wheatley was coaching the backs, they all went, you know, those guys were going to the league and they were playing. So, yeah. Dano, you got some thoughts. What are you thinking? Yeah, man. I, what I thought this weekend was that this was the week I realized how badly we all overreacted to week one, because now that we're a little deeper into the season and you can sort of tell what's really what, and, you know, just talking about sort of how people adjust to things that are and aren't happening in the season. I, for what I was like amazed at how South Carolina could sort of hold up against Georgia and, and make that, you know, a game and how Spencer, uh, Spencer Rattler suddenly looks like a legit quarterback, which is a thing that I don't think I've ever really thought before. And yeah, I don't know. I Obviously coaching matters. It's just, you're seeing teams that are good teams sort of adapt and and uh, get into the flow and teams that maybe aren't as good as we wanted them to be sort of going by the wayside. And, you know, this is why, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, Georgia, they didn't really look like the world beaters, but they played a divisional foe in the second half. They looked like they might be world beaters. Like, I, I don't know, man. It was kind of an interesting week. I, I don't know. I I sort of took it on the chin, though, in terms of uh, how our our picks league was going. So what do I know? That's okay, Deno. We got some serious competition coming this week. <laughs> There's no search. That's true. Yeah. Well, and and everybody, I don't know. I I guess maybe it was a bunch of trap games, or who knows. But it was it was a wild, wild week this past week, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who's sort of real this week. Yeah, I, I legitimately yeah. think, you know, the transfer portal is bringing parity and you're starting to see it because like now it, it's funny, like I chuckled when I heard like, oh, this kid's a transfer from Colorado. Oh, he was one of the kids that got booted, you know, and like you yeah, laugh about right. it. But the reality of it is, is like the dude is a talented player. He just didn't fit the system. And like I watched the 60 Minutes interview with Deion Sanders and Dion was basically like I came in and I told these guys like, look, I fired all the coaches. And so because I fired all the coaches. I had to get rid of all the players that those coaches recruited because the vast majority of those guys were recruited for a team that just wasn't winning. And Ouch. like life hurts. I yeah. mean, it is what it is. It's the truth. Yep. He wasn't wrong. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, look, he's won entire he's won exactly two more games than they won last year. Right. If they they go six and six and get to a bowl game this season, that's pretty damn impressive for a team that won one game last year. You know, and oh, by the way. Until they take the loss, Shador Sanders is and Travis Hunter, and depending on how bad his injury is, both of those guys are going to be, you know, in the hunt for the Heisman. Yeah. Up until they take like unless they take it like if they take a brutal loss against Oregon, maybe the story changes. But if it's like a track meet like Army Wake Forest a couple of years ago where there was like a basketball score at the end of the game, like if he throws four or five touchdowns and no picks and they just get outscored, like People will still be talking about like, oh, look at the valiant effort and a losing effort or whatever. And so, again, like, look, freaking Caleb Williams won the Heisman and he lost twice to the same guy, you know. So it's like we've got to start accounting for that in college football. And I think there's there's going to be some interesting things. But speaking of accounting, we got a commercial that we need to get into. And Dano is the person to do the read. So <laughs> I like that segue. Uh, Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending for Draper and Kramer in Chicago. As you guys know, Craig is a member of the West Point Class of 1994, licensed to lend in all 50 states, but based out of Chicago, he is one of the biggest VA lenders in the country. Friends, Craig is going to give you the best deal he possibly can, including super competitive rates. And what's a little more important than that, because you're going to sort of get rates from whoever at whatever rate they are, is getting somebody that you can trust, right? This whole mortgage process is very confusing. Like, interest rates moving all over the place. And, you know, people are just trying to get whatever they can get off you. That's why you want to go with somebody who cares about you, somebody that you, who you can trust. And that's Craig, right? He's, he's an actual person, not a call center, not some big box bank, not some mindless website. This is how the West Point network functions, right? Craig is helping us stay in business here at Azure Football. And we're trying to introduce you to the 
best person that we, you can meet if you're looking for a mortgage. So uh, Craig doesn't charge lending fees for veterans. It's going to save you about 1300 bucks on your mortgage. So if you're looking to buy a house, friend, uh, Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending from Draper and Kramer, it's going to set you up with the best deal that he possibly can. And most importantly, he's going to be a person that you can trust as you go through this very confusing process. His link's on our website. Just go to askforfootball.com. Find the little uh, spot, you know, where it, the little link, fill out a little questionnaire. You'll be talking to him in a couple of hours. That's it. Thanks, Dan. All right, so we're moving to the games of the week. All right, again, football on Thursday. How awesome is that? You got college football, that kind of offset with your uh, pro football watching if you are that kind of a fan. Georgia State and Coastal Carolina, they kick at 730. That'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, what we've started to see is these teams that had like big-time transfers come out, they aren't as doing as well. Like, I didn't realize – how emaciated the Wake Forest offense was until, you know, uh, Sam Hartman went to Notre Dame, right? Like, you don't realize how good that guy actually was until he ends up somewhere else. Oh, yeah. And, they look seriously mid without him. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they went from being an elite team, at least in the ACC, to a middle-of-the-pack team very, very quickly. All right, Friday matchup starting at 7 o'clock. You got Wisconsin-Purdue, NC State, and Virginia, Boise State, and San Diego State. Uh, kick at 10 30 and then you've got air force at san jose state for your nightcap on friday and both of those games kick at 10 30 uh saturday in the big noon kickoff oklahoma against cincinnati i am sorry since you are going to get punished uh you've got florida state and clemson that should be an interesting game just based off of the way that florida state played this past week i don't know is uh is Jaden daniels back because he looked like he was pretty banged up at the end of the first half and uh they did not look like they recovered from him getting knocked out of the game uh, at the beginning of the first half. So we'll see what happens with that one. I, I think Clemson will Clemson, but it may be closer than the experts think. Uh, got Western Kentucky licking their wounds against Troy. That should be an interesting future Army opponent. You got Virginia Tech at Marshall. Hey, we are Marshall. Uh, that's a great that, – that should be a great game just because Marshall always has a surprise in their back pocket for anyone. Uh then you've got uh, in the noon window on the ACC network, for those of you guys that are not local or do not have ESPN Plus or some cable package that supports it, Army at Syracuse. So you got Army going to the Dome. I think uh, that'll be an interesting game. Syracuse has looked good. Army has oh, looked look better. Great. Yeah, and Army Syracuse has looked, looked freaking outstanding against P uh, Purdue. Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, and Army has looked better. But the other part of it is, is Purdue is kind of stinking it up right now. So I don't know if it's a you know a talent rich environment at Syracuse or if it was because Purdue is just bad. They are not wearing their spoiler maker hat just yet. They have to get about four or five more games in before they start ruining everybody else's season. But uh, you got Auburn and Texas A&M kicking on ESPN at noon. Kentucky and Vanderbilt. You got Rutgers at Michigan. That like that should be a drubbing. You know, that, like the Ooh, careful now. Yeah, Careful Rutgers now. is better this year. Rutgers, they, Rutgers is sneaky. Yeah, well, again, Rutgers, Rutgers is is kind of like uh, it's kind of like Purdue, like they occasionally put together a good game early in the season and they'll bump off one of the one of the big powerhouses. I think uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a Penn State fan. Not that we're getting to their game yet, but like I was saying, Penn State might become part of the elite in the Big Ten after all the new teams come in and they do the scramble and they don't play each other every year. Because Penn State, you know, they get brutalized in that schedule because they usually go pretty well up until the point where they have like, you know, Ohio State by Michigan, you know, and then they usually will drop one or both of those games. And so I think when the schedules start getting revamped because of the new teams in the Big Ten, I think Penn State will actually become one of the elites in the conference just by the virtue of not having to play their habitual, you know, landmines season after season. You got Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Vandy's actually good. I got to tip the cap to those guys. I talked a little, talked a little smack on them early in two, earlier in the year. They're actually looking pretty solid. Uh, we'll see SMU at TCU. Like again, that's a game for Texas. Like if you're a Texas fan, like that's a good college football contest for them. Uh, moving on, you got Ohio at Bowling Green. Ohio looked pretty good this past weekend, so we'll see if they can match up well against Bowling Green. Bowling Green is actually a decent team. They've just played some some outstanding competition up until this point you got miami at temple that one's like hey when is miami going to miami unfortunately like they have always been able to put like five or six wins really good early in the season and then just kind of comes off in the middle 
and then they kind of tighten it up towards the end. We'll see what happens there. You got BYU and Kansas. That's a actual Big 12 matchup now because BYU has moved to the Big 12, and we'll see how that goes. Boston College and Louisville. Like, uh, I don't know, man. That one seems like a toss-up to me. I don't know what the, the line is on that game, but that one looks a little bit more interesting, particularly given the way that BC played against Florida State. Like, they made it ugly, and they kept it close, and so that puts them in a uh, – Puts them in a good position. Again, I wouldn't say they'll beat Louisville, but they'll the good chance to cover. Ranked on ranked matchup right now. You've got UCLA and Utah playing. That's going to be at the 330 3:30 game on Fox, and then that's followed up by Oregon, Oregon and Colorado. Whew, that one's going to be a shootout. Do not sit your drink down. There's probably I would say there's at least going to be a hundred points scored in that game. Like I'm looking like 55 to 60 something and i don't know who's i hear they're actually pronouncing it oregon and colorado because there will be no d in that game (laughs) ouch none ouch Ouch. i'm taking a blind (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, if if it's 99 i'm taking the over (laughs) yeah i would i would venture a guess that the over on that game is going to be interesting Ole miss and alabama like that one's going to be oh yeah Oh, yeah. It's going to be a much better game. I like. I literally thought Georgia Tech would have a little bit more for Ole Miss, and Ole Miss just wiped the floor with them, like straight up. Ole Miss is good this season; they're looking pretty good. And an opener against the wounded Alabama. Like, if I watch that game film, I'm blitzing every play. If I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm bringing. Yeah, they the got they got a problem. Yeah, their their offensive line is horrible, horrible, and they're going to get beat. Pretty bad. You've got New Mexico and UMass. Like, I don't know if UMass is going to be able to pull themselves out of the nosedive that they're in right now. They are not looking good. They're, I believe they're 0-3 as well. And, like, if you've got a U in front of you, whether that be UConn or UMass, you've got your work cut out for you for the rest of the season. you got Maryland against Michigan State. Baby Tua is going to smack Michigan State around. They've got too much off-the-field antics to worry about. Louisiana Tech and Nebraska, they may actually win that game. You know, Nebraska is – I don't I don't know what to say. I'm like, Matt Rule is supposedly this great coach that can turn places around. Like, I'm not seeing it happening in Nebraska. He may be able to do it in his next job, but he's definitely not doing it for the Huskers. Yeah. Uh, you got Duke at UConn. Oof, that would be a much better basketball contest. However, <laughs> <laughs> given the fact that uh, Duke is playing pretty pretty good games this season, I, I think that one will be a, a travesty amongst travesties. Texas Tech and West Virginia, that should be a good one coming out of the, the uh, backyard brawl. West Virginia is looking better. Coaches on the hot seat. We talked about that in the offseason show. Coaches got to win. Like everybody in the college football pantheon, particularly the West Virginia fans, are on Coach Brown's case. Like you have to win some football games or you're going to lose your job. And I think it's a foregone conclusion. If West Virginia doesn't make it to a bowl, I think he's going bye-bye. Oklahoma State and Iowa State, that one should be interesting just because, you know, Iowa State is usually a pretty good team. And these are in the 4 o'clock window. UTSA at Tennessee – that's going to be a battle of interesting huddle, no huddle offenses, right? Because like Joe Milton, can he get it done? UTSA, again, after watching the Army game, I will say they have flashes of brilliance. They have some great role players that can break loose in space. But if Tennessee's defense doesn't show up, you're going to see it's going to be a track meet. Like these is, guys is Trey be- Moore coming back for UTSA, their linebacker? Because when he went out, Army went crazy. Yeah, I, I have no idea, but like that dude, like that guy was like the the cornerstone of the defense. Yeah, and like I said, the the difference is like if you watch if you watch the Army game, and we'll talk about this, we'll deep dive it. But the reality of it is, explosive plays over thirty five yards was really the difference as far as UTSA scoring. They have some talented guys that if they break loose in space, they're going to get 40, 50 yards on you if they get open. You know. And that was the thing is like that the, they had the backup quarterback in right now. It does not look like Frank Harris is going to be doing anything other than holding the clipboard, standing on the sidelines in his Chinese jump boot. So advantage Tennessee, at least personnel wise, but it doesn't mean that uh, they can put the game together. Got central Michigan and South Alabama. Uh, let's see. Got to call out Garner Webb since we mentioned him last week. They're playing East Carolina at six on ESPN plus. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State. So you got the the, game. And the the Beavers. That'll be a good game at seven. That's a Pac-12 game. That's actually term, coming on in prime time for just about everybody. That one will be a good one. Colorado has a chance to lick their wounds. They're taking on Middle Tennessee State. Uh, let's see. 
You got Sam Houston and Houston playing. That's basically a hometown game for both of those guys. So Charlotte at Florida, that's going to be on SEC Nation Plus and ESPN Plus. There are a lot of games that are moving to ESPN Plus. Basically, the entire MAC and most of, <laughs> yeah, like most of the Big 12 games are going to be in there as well. And like the Pac 12 network, why does this thing still exist? I don't understand that. You got Arizona and Stanford, probably because both of those teams are not the best. And that's why they put them on a Pac 12 network because nobody cares. Got App State and Wyoming. Hey, I don't care if you're a fan of either one of those teams. Watch that game. I think that one will be a good one just because those guys are great teams. You got Arkansas and LSU. I mean, LSU is winning, but LSU's statement game was against Florida State and they missed their opportunity. I, I think like their season is basically a wrap. Even if they run the table in the rest of the division, nobody's going to care what LSU is doing. Contrary to what last year was, they built momentum towards the end. They had their black eye early, and I just don't think they're coming back from it. Uh, got Iowa and Penn State. That's going to be on CBS oh, and yeah. Paramount Plus again. Like the the college football uh, broadcast pattern is coming as erratic as the conference realignment. So. That's going to be a, a crazy one. Of course, your NBC late late evening kick is going to be Notre Dame and Ohio State. That'll be on Peacock. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and the Buckeyes are playing at touch, Touchdown Jesus. Hey, look, that one's going to be a good game just for the simple fact that uh, Ohio State woke up this week. I, granted, it was against Western Kentucky, but uh, they put some points on the board. Like you had running backs going off. You had, you, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. going off. It's going to be an interesting game. Here's one that, like, doesn't make any sense and nobody cares. UAB versus Georgia. Like, what is going on with Georgia's schedule? Like, do, 40 do we point know? spread in week yeah, do, four. Do we know? Like, I'm I'm just not sure of why these things are is, happening. Is it their fault that South Carolina's in their division? I mean, they played a divisional game last week. Yeah. Yeah. My my issue is the the going into the division and coming back and playing a cupcake. I get why they do it, but nobody else does it. And so it makes it weird. It's like, oh, Georgia just face South Carolina. See if they tighten the screws and get it right next week against you a uh well, it doesn't matter. It's UAB. Doesn't matter, guys. Um <laughs> you know, so there there are 40 right now. Yeah. So yeah, that's just yeah. that's madness. You got Texas and Baylor again. That one's going to be a drubbing. Hey, Baylor is like I wouldn't even say they're in a rebuilding year. They're struggling big time. Yeah, they're North rough. Car- North Carolina and Pitt. That should be an interesting game. Uh, you got UCF and Kansas State. Kansas State's got to bounce back, but they got to play the uh, informal 2017 national champions. <laughs> and uh, the last ranked matchup is California versus Washington. Hey, Michael Penix Jr. is for real, man. Like, when are we going to yeah, start? Man. Like, when are we going to start handing that kid some helmet stickers? Because he's crushing it. I mean, that move to Washington was probably one of the smarter ones in college football because it shows. I mean, I think he's in the Keisman discussion. I don't think he's doing as as well or as popular as some of the other cats, but I think he's doing a good job. And, of course, you got USC at Arizona State at 1030. Who really cares? And then the last one is New Mexico State and Hawaii at Hawaii. And their kickoff is at 11.59 p.m. So that is a actual Sunday game. <laughs> by the time you get through all the Both pregame activities. That's so <laughs> awful. Yeah. Somebody's cashing a check on that one, man. And somebody's getting a vacation, you know, on the big island. Who knows? But uh, any games of note that you guys really, really want to watch this weekend? Uh, I'll pause there. Hey, Dano, you go first and then you, Joe. Um, Oklahoma at Cincy. I think the Sooners have got to be one of the most underrated, most consistent teams in college football right now that nobody's really talking about. We talked a little bit about Colorado at Oregon. Um, FSU at Clemson. I still kind of think the Knowles struggled with the trap game this past week. Uh, I'll bet they show up this week. And finally, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Uh, Joel Klatt said today on his show that that was for the, quote, number two spot in the country. So uh, I think that's an interesting game, and we'll see what happens. Joe, how about you? Yeah, uh, they're going to make us wait for the big one. Um, but even as a Michigan fan, and true Buckeye fans will agree with me on this one silently. But when your rival's playing a huge game against another one of your rivals that you're watching, and uh, I will be checking that game out. So um, Ohio State against Notre Dame. Um, oof, I think Ohio State comes out and wins money line. I don't think they cover. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites right now. But then um, 
Iowa and Penn State is two ranked teams, even though Iowa's wearing the number 25. Um, but going to Penn State, their defense has been solid. Both teams, somebody's always got to go. Um, Rutgers and Michigan's going to be a good test for J.J. McCarthy and Michigan's offense to see if they can put it together against an undefeated team. And then we've got Colorado and Oregon. We've got Ole Miss and Bama. We've got FSU and Clemson. Um, there's only one loss out of all those six teams, and it's Clemson's. So there's going to be a lot of undefeated teams that are no longer after, uh, you know, come Sunday morning. So, yeah, all those games I listed, I'm going to be swapping back and forth because I don't have the sweet, uh, super high-tech setup like Colonel Rob does yet. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I tried it, and it was by advice. But hey, either way, I think watching those games are going to be interesting. Uh, Georgia State and Coastal, I'll watch that because it'll be the only thing on. Wisconsin and Purdue, man. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see when the spoiler makers kick in because they they do it every year. Like they'll have a stretch of like three or four games where they're just trouncing people. I think Wisconsin showed up last week. Uh, the week before it was kind of shaky, and then the, definitely the week before that it was not so good for them. I think Luke Fickle has got the defense turned around, and that's why the games are a little bit closer. Or actually, they played a little bit better because the defense was actually able to keep people out of the end zone. Offense is coming along; they're steadily improving. Like to see what he's doing down there. Uh, Air Force and San Jose State, I'll peek in on that one. FSU and Clemson, of course. I want to see if FSU can kind of turn around because, like, that that look against Boston College, like, does not pass the eye test. If you're trying to win the national championship, like everybody's been saying, then they are seriously going to have to to step it up this week, and uh, we'll see. All right, so let's pause for, for weekly locks. Weekly locks. All right, who are we picking this week? Dano, you're up. I went 0 and 3 last week. Like I said, it was miserable. Plus, I dropped a fourth or fifth on our bandwagon sports thing. But I'm still taking Oklahoma minus 13 and a half at Cincy. I already said they were overrated or underrated. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. But I'll t- also take uh, Florida State minus a point and a half at Clemson. Uh, I think they were looking ahead. I really do. And finally, Western Kentucky at Troy under 57 and a half. 57 and a half is a lot of points. And Troy's defense is good. And I don't think that they can get on the scoreboard. So there you go. Yeah, that's fair. Joe, how about you? All right, gentlemen, you're going to have to forgive me because Georgie, the little guy, is not happy in the. Um, <laughs> no, he's doing his Jay Norville. I'm going to go ahead. All right. And it's all right. You, you, you're right. It sounds like Jay Norville. In game, I picked Bowling Green last week. They were plus 40. Okay. They covered 24 points. So I'm taking Rutgers plus 24 points. I think Michigan wins by two scores and it comes late. I like, like 31 21. Um, so Rutgers plus 24. Dano has picked my brain for the rest of them, but I'm taking oh, FSU to cover that line. moved it to so people are picking them and then uh oklahoma's line has already moved to 14 and a half wow this team has won games by 49 and 73 this year yeah okay they had a close one against smu where they won by 17 but they're covering and tough enough with an oregon team um maybe they lose I'm not betting that game money line or picking it one way or the other, but I do like Colorado on the points. All right. That's fair. Yeah. What I'll say on the Colorado game, I, I legitimately think here's, here's the, here's the thing that I've noticed about Bo Nix. Like when the defense is playing well and he gets to stay on the field in like tempo or in rhythm, he's going to be okay. But the problem is there's a, like, it's going to be a track meet. So you're going to see, you know, some very quick possessions and when you get those quick possessions, you know, what we've seen from Bo Nix, there's a reason why he transferred out of Auburn because he couldn't get it done under pressure, right? So he went to Oregon. And when you start looking at these quarterbacks, when they start turning over points a lot faster, somebody's going to make a mistake because they're going to be pressing because it's like, hey, look, we got to keep this game close. And then somebody's going to make a bad decision. So I think that game is, like Joe said, it'll be closer than the experts think. But, uh, my picks this week, I went two and one last week. I hit on SC in the Georgia game, which they covered. Uh, Florida State and BC barely hit the over. And then I missed on UNC and Minnesota. But 
Here's what I will say. So I'm taking Ole Miss to cover six and a half against Bama. My gut is telling me they're going to beat them outright, like by at least 10. Uh, unless Bryce Young comes back to Alabama, they're screwed for the rest of the season. Hashtag prime to Bama. Uh, moving on. <laughs> take the Buffaloes, right. to, take the Buffaloes to, to cover 20 half against Oregon. I'm feeling the same way. If you're feeling bold, take the over. Like uh, not even like you're taking the over on this. I think they're going to score 100 points between both those teams. But uh, I'm not sure if uh, Travis Hunter is going to be playing this week. But if there's He's a prop there, I think they already ruled him out, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. But if there's a prop bet on how many TDs that the tight end catches, you might want to entertain that right. because Shador Sanders fell in love with his tight end this past week. And uh, take Texas to cover uh, 14 and a half. They're going to hang 100 on them. Like, that, that's that's pretty easy. I mean, they, they've got a pretty not-so-great team plan against them. So my picks are uh, Ole Miss to cover six and a half, Buffalo's to cover 20 and a half, and Texas to cover 14, minus 14 and a half. All right, so moving on to bandwagon sports update. Matt is still on top with 46. I'm in second place tied with Dave G and Dano, but the tiebreaker is the home win, so I'm on top because of that. I'm officially in second place, and like Dan said, the home wins actually carry a little bit more weight as far as the scoring system is concerned, and there's a uh, three-way tie or two-way tie between Zach and Joey, and they're tied for third again. Bandwagon sports, it's fun. It's something that you could do. I don't know if you could start a league now because we're so deep into the season, but it makes it easy, much easier than fantasy sports. But you got to remember to uh, make your adjustments after the lines move. So I'm talking like Thursday night before that final kickoff, if you're going to make adjustments to your to your schedule. But uh, this brings us to the end of the college football roundtable. So, you know, hang with us. For the rest of the season here at As for Football, we're going to be covering college football on the roundtable, and we'll be diving deep into the Army football coverage on the As for Football Army football show. Thanks again for joining us. We're always open for suggestions on what topics you guys want us to cover as we dive a little bit deeper into this. But uh, thanks again for joining us here on the roundtable. And for Dano Ikebesa calling out of Coastal Connecticut and Trigger Joe in the home of the big house, I am Rob here at the Military Center of the Universe, and we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Beat Syracuse. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. Firebarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to firebarn.com forward slash military. That's firebarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at firebarn.com. Thanks again for listening to As for Football, College Football Roundtable, and as always, beat Navy.